Welcome to Woodland Church. Here is today's message. So I'm going to be primarily in 1 Samuel chapter 3, verses 3 through 18. If you want to just hold on, hold on to that, um, that spot right there. I won't be going there just yet. Just because, um, you know, it's in the man to plan his way. But it's God who directs his steps. And as I've been planning um, the sermon this morning, God is starting to direct my steps. And so if I get to it, that's great. If not, we'll just let the Holy Spirit have his way. You know, the Bible says that Jesus would leave the 99 to reach the one. So he wants me to give a testimony this morning. And if it just reaches one person, that'll be worth it. It's a testimony about when I was um, a young man going to college in my 20s. You know, first of all, I just feel the need to say a testimony is something that you go through, right? And the way I always define a testimony is this. It's a test that makes you moan and it drives you to your knees. But in the end, it's, it's, it's a victory that the Lord brings into your life. It's a victory. Sometimes you hear testimonies and people say, but I'm still struggling. No. Come on. Where's the victory? we got to have the victory. But the struggle that I was going through in my life was this. I always had this overwhelming feeling that I would never see the age of 30. I just knew that I was going to die. For whatever reason, I just knew that there was going to be something tragic or something that happened. I was just going to pass away, and that would just be the end. And I would silently think about those those words. I never spoke them out. I just meditated on them in my heart. And I never told my wife this either, even after we got married. At, 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 I got married at 26 years old. Matter of fact, we'll be 25 years this December. Never told her about that, those thoughts. Kept it to my vest. But I often thought, Lord, what about my kids? What about them? But I just stayed quiet about it. Well, we're in church and we're serving the Lord, and one night I had a dream. And my dream was this. I had died. And there were all these, like, shuttles that were going to heaven. It, almost, it was almost like rail cars. And people were lined up to go get onto these rail cars, and we were going to go to heaven. And it was this wild-eyed, crazy looking preacher with a tattered and torn suit on. I mean, his, his, the, the, the pants and everything were tattered and torn, and he was preaching the gospel, and he was talking about heaven, and he was talking about how great and how glorious it was going to be, and that God was waiting on us and things, and he was just congratulating us all. And I was standing in the back of a line, and I was saying, I said, Lord, this is it. I'm not ready. I haven't done anything for you yet. 
I want to do something for you. And so as the line is moving forward, I come next to this wild-eyed, crazy old man in this tattered, torn suit and this Bible, and he places his hand on my chest, and he looks at me with those wild eyes, and he says, not you, not yet. Instantly, I'm flown back at a, at a tremendous speed, and I fall into this brick wall, and all the teeth in my mouth start falling out. And I'm spitting my teeth out. And I didn't know what that meant. And there's a lady at our church, Betty Hamelinen. And I told her this dream. I said, because she she's good with dreams. I told her, what does this dream mean? And she's one of those exuberant people. Said, oh, goodness. Oh, isn't it great when God just shows you something? I'm like, shows me what? Shows me what? But what he was, is there's a scripture. It says that God will break the teeth of your enemies. It said God will break the teeth of your enemies. And what that was illustrating is this, is that that was an enemy that had been speaking in my ear all those years. And God had taken care of it. And he had broke that thing off of me that night in that, in that dream. Now, I instantly knew exactly what it was that God had broken off of me. Because I never once ever had those thoughts once again. And I knew what it was. I knew it was that thought that I would die early. I'm going to tell you the key to this. The Bible says, Jesus tells us, take no thought saying. Take no thought saying. Because the way we take possession of things in our life that happen is we, by, by speaking them. And one of the tools that the enemy uses against us constantly is he always injects thoughts in our mind. Mark this down. The devil cannot read your mind he does not know what you're thinking, but what he does is he strategically places thoughts in your mind. And he gets you to think that they're you that's saying these things, and he's planting seeds. And what he was doing in my life, he was planting those seeds. He was planting those seeds, but for some reason, I never confessed it. I never told anybody about it. And when I see so much suicide and so much death and I see so much pain that people go through, oftentimes it's because we've been speaking curses over ourselves because that's what the enemy wants us to do is speak curses over our lives. Because once we start speaking his word instead of what God's word says, that I've come to give you life and life abundantly, that with long life I shall satisfy you and show you my salvation if we don't know these scriptures and all we know is that I'm going to die or the bottom is going to fall out, my bills will never be paid. And we don't understand that what the scripture says, my God shall supply all of your need according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. If we're confessing evil words over ourselves rather than God's word, 
then what we're doing is we're actually giving the enemy room to operate in our lives. I hope I just made the devil mad this morning because that is a word to set you free. Take no thought saying. Take no word saying. Do not worry for anything saying. How many times have you heard people talk about sickness? How many times have you heard people talk about death? How many times have you heard people talk about failure? How many times have you heard people talk about it's not going to happen for me? This always happens. I'm just, I'm like a black cat walking around. I have bad luck. I'm schlep rot. Wowsy, wowsy, woo, woo. I just aged myself to some of you here. But that's the word that God wants me to tell you this morning. And it actually flows into what I'm going to speak about also. In the book of John, it says, In the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him, and without him was nothing made that was made. Excuse me. In the beginning was the Word. In the beginning was the Word. You know what this is saying right here? With this, with this scripture in John chapter 1, verse 1, I love it because it sounds so poetical. But yet, at the same time, it's so much information in the beginning was the Word. What this is, is talking about foundation. Foundation. The Word is the foundation. This Bible is the foundation for us as Christians. We have scientists running around saying, when does life begin? Where does life come from? Guess what? It says right here. And him was life, and the life was the light of men. And who was life? And Jesus. And who was life? In, in, in the beginning, it was God. Where was the life? In the Word. This Word has the ability to bring life into you. You think about how a negative word can affect your life. And then you think about how a positive word can affect your life. A negative word can bring death, right? Proverbs 18.21 says that life and death are in the power of the tongue. Our mouth has power. Even as a testimony that I just went over, our mouth has the power to bring life or to bring death. So what are we going to grab a hold of? What are we going to do with it? This word is so important that Jesus himself says that man shall not live by bread alone, but by what? Every word that flows, that comes from the mouth of God. Every word. In the beginning was the word. This is the foundation. Psalms 11.3 says, if the foundations are ruined, what can a nation do? What can a nation do? 
What can the righteous do, should I say? He says, if the foundations are ruined, what can the righteous do? And if you live in an unrighteous nation, nation guess what? What, what, what can we do? We have to return to the Word of God. See, oftentimes we don't have a problem with the Word of God for salvation. Hello. In this part of the sermon, the speaker's microphone died. Please excuse the interruption. I think I'm, I'm probably loud enough without the <laughs> mic anyway. <laughs> if you wanted to build a foundation to your home or, or an extra room in, in your home, the master builder is going to first check your foundation. Then he's going to start looking at the framework of everything else that is surrounding. But that foundation is what's going to be important. And God has given us his word as the foundation. So what are we building our lives with? Are we building our lives on the words of men who have an opinion? Or are we building on, 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 on our lives on the word of God? See, for salvation, we know, see, the faith begins. We cannot talk about the word of God without talking about faith because we have to have faith in order to, for, for this word to work for us. Hebrews eleven six 6 says, without faith, it is impossible to please God because we must first believe that God exists and he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. Believe that he exists, we diligently seek him. But faith begins, begins where the will of God is known. So, for instance, for salvation, we know in the, in the scriptures it says in John 3, 16, that for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whoever should believe on him shall not perish, but shall inherit eternal life. That's a promise from the word. That's something we can have faith in. How do I know I'm saved? Because I received Jesus' free gift of salvation. That's how I know. Said for, Romans 10, 13 says, for everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. I call upon the name of the Lord. I am saved. I know that my salvation is secure in heaven. Because why? Because it's what his word says. Sometimes we don't build with the right materials because of the actions of the world around us. We get the pressure from the world around us. So this thing um, that we've been dealing with for many years, political correctness. Let's identify what it really is. Political correctness is something that the enemy has used to stop us in our tracks as far as our faith. What, what I mean by this is that I can tell you that the sky is blue and you can tell me that the sky is Black, purple, whatever it is, you know, uh, something different. Let me, let, me, let me get more specific. If, if I can tell a person, my wife, for instance, she's a woman, but now she wants to be a man. Political correctness says what? You can't say nothing about that. What this really is, is secular humanism. 
Now, that may, that may seem like an uh, odd word for many people. We hear this th these things, humanism or secular humanism, but we need, to we, we need to be able to define it as a church so we can move forward in faith. Because what political correctness does is this. It paralyzes us from speaking out the word of God. It paralyzes us from speaking truth. It paralyzes us from walking in righteousness. It stifles your boldness in an attempt to quench your faith. Secular humanism is this, the idea that man can achieve morality and solve complex problems through life, through science and logic without the influences of deity. Without the influence of deity. So in other words, you can achieve morality without God's influence. But we know that this word is for us every day. We have to build upon this word. What secular humanism is, is this, is a demonic spirit or religion that has raised itself up against the very nature and the call that God has placed upon our lives. That's what it is. We have to be able to recognize it. Oftentimes, we don't recognize what it is, and we want to be nice, and that's great, that's great. We are nice, and we are loving people, yes, but God is truth. God is truth. See, Jesus, he wasn't just filled with truth because truth by itself is a sword. But Jesus was filled with grace and truth. So in other words, he didn't just go around just speaking truth, speaking truth. But what he did, he understood what people were. He had grace for them. But he still spoke the truth. He loved them but he still spoke the truth. Why? Because it is foundational to our life. Because he is the word. God's word. Hallelujah. Second Corinthians 10.5 says, we destroy arguments in every lofty opinion raised against the knowledge of God and take every thought captive to the obedience of Christ. We have to bring every thought captive to the obedience of Christ. We have to bring every action captive and bring it to the obedience of Christ. When things happen, when, when, when ideas come our way, we have to examine it. And I know sometimes, you know, we, we, we got to learn how to answer crazy. Crazy things happen, right? Crazy things happen in our lives. And we're like, uh, well... I don't know how to answer that. Uh, I, I know what I want to say. And what you do? See, it comes down to this. Are we going to honor God or are we going to honor man? Are we going to honor God or honor man? So what you do is you just smile and you say, I understand where you are, but I have to honor God. Because if I do not honor God, then I'm not honoring our relationship. If I do not honor God, then I'm not honoring the word that I walk by, that I live by. I'm not honoring the foundation. If I do not honor God, then I am allowing mixture to come into my life, and now I am starting to twist God's word instead of walk in God's word. If I'm not honoring God, then his word is not going to work for me because now I'm not walking in faith. Amen. Write these three words down. 
flesh, world, and the devil. Flesh, world, and the devil. Now, this is homework. And even, even now as I'm speaking, you're going to be thinking of some things. But I want you to meditate on those three words and then ask yourself this question. How is the flesh, how is the world, and how is the devil affecting my faith today? How is the flesh, how is the world, how is the devil affecting my belief in Christ? And then I want you to seek God, ask God to help you to be stronger in any area where we are weak. And I stand here this morning and the word of God says, he who preaches the word preaches also to himself. So none of us got this all correct. This morning, I want to talk about three things that work to destroy your faith. And we're going to go out of, I'm going to read 1 Samuel chapter 3, verses 3 through 18. Now the boy Samuel was ministering to the Lord in the presence of Eli. And the word of the Lord was rare in those days. There was no frequent vision. At that time, Eli, whose eyesight had begun to grow so dim that he could not see, was lying down in his place. The lamp of God had not yet gone out, and Samuel was lying down in the temple of the Lord, where the ark of God was. Then the Lord called to Samuel, and he said, Here I am. And he ran to Eli and said, here I am, for you called me. But he said, I did not call. Lie down again. So he went and lay down. And the Lord called again, Samuel. And Samuel arose and went to Eli and said, here I am, for you called me. But he said, I did not call my son. Lie down again. Now Samuel did not yet know the Lord. And the word of the Lord had not yet been revealed to him. And the Lord called Samuel again the third time. And he arose and went to Eli and said, Here I am, for you called me. Then Eli perceived that the Lord was calling the boy. Therefore Eli said to Samuel, Go lie down, and if he calls you, you shall say, Speak, Lord, for your servant hears. So Samuel went and lay down in his place. And the Lord came and stood calling as at other times, Samuel, Samuel. And Samuel said, speak, for your servant hears. Then the Lord said to Samuel, behold, I am about to do a thing in Israel which the, which the two ears of everyone who hears it will tingle. On that day, I will fulfill against Eli all that I have spoken concerning his house. For from beginning to the end, and I declare to him, I am about to punish his house forever for the iniquity that he knew because his sons were blaspheming God and he did not restrain them. Therefore, I swear to the house of Eli that the iniquity of Eli's house shall not be atoned for by sacrifice or offering forever. Samuel lay until morning 
Then he opened the doors of the house of the Lord. And Samuel was afraid to tell the vision to Eli. But Eli called Samuel and said, Samuel, my son. And he said, here I am. And Eli said, what was it that he told you? Do not hide it from me. May God do so to you and more so also if you hide anything from me, all that he told you. So Samuel told him everything and hid nothing from him. And he said, it is the Lord. Let him do what seems good to him. Three, three, three things that will work to destroy your faith. Each one of these things will relate back to a word called passivity. What is passivity? Passivity is the acceptance of whatever happens without any active response. In other words, que sera, sera, what will be is what will be. We got things going on, but I'm not going to respond to it. Things need to be done, but I'm not going to respond to it. And the first one is this. When we become passive in hearing God's word. When we become passive in hearing God's word. We open this chapter up. It says that the word of the Lord was rare in those days. He said, the word of the Lord was rare in those days, and there was no frequent vision. Why was there no frequent vision, and why was the word of the Lord rare? Because, you know, you know, we have to understand this. God's word should not be rare to us. God's visions or revelation should not be rare to us. God is always speaking to us. God is speaking to us, through, to his people daily. The number one way that God will speak to us today is through his word. Why? Because it is the foundation. And if we get off the foundation, then we're going to miss what God is doing. We're going to miss the blessing that God intends for us. Even if, think, you know, the devil will make it seem like, oh, well, he, everything's going good. But then one day the rug will get pulled from underneath you. The word of God says faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Romans 10, 17. So we should be putting ourselves in a place or position to hear God's word. Now. It's a sad thing in Israel during this time of Eli, because Eli and his family were the priests. He was the high priest. So why was there no revelation? Was he not reading the word of God to the people? Was he not explaining the word of God to people? Was he not getting along with God to hear his word? See, if we refuse to hear God's word for ourselves, then what, how do we expect to hear for someone else? But see, the word of God had already come to Eli and he told him in chapter two that your sons are dishonoring me. Your sons are not honoring me. They were taking the sacrifices before they were burned. They were sleeping with the temple, with the, with the, with the, with the females at the temple gate. They were sinning against God. And God came to Eli and he said, Eli, I want you to correct your sons. 
And yes, Eli went and he talked to them, but he never corrected them. They continue to do these things. And this is why God has pronounced a judgment on Eli. Because he didn't, sometimes, you, you, can you tell when people just kind of tune you out? You're talking to them, and they're like, yeah, okay. Parents, we know it really good, right? Go clean your room. Ah. And what Eli had done to God is he tuned him out. He was no longer hearing God's word. He, was, he didn't want to hear that message. Why? Because that message meant he had to do something. Sometimes we don't want to hear what God is saying to us because it's going to cost me something. Sometimes we don't want to hear what God is saying to us because it may cost me a relationship. That means if I hear this word, guess what? That means I got to do something about it. And Eli did not want to do that. And this wasn't something that just happened in Eli when, when he got old. This was an ongoing thing in Eli's life. So faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. The priesthood had become corrupt. God speaks to us through his word. God will speak to us through people. The people had, begun to, had told Eli, Eli, your sons are evil. Eli, your sons are doing X, Y, Z. This is not honoring God. And Eli still did nothing. And then God will speak through us through events or situations. And the, and the event was this. Samuel, Samuel, tell Eli it's time. Judgment is coming. So we must put ourselves in a position to hear God's word, not hear what we want to hear, but hear what God's word is saying. And it's OK to go to God and say, look, Lord, I'm struggling with this. I don't want to do this. It's OK. God knows. But when we say that, we say, Lord, work on me because I know your word says this. Lord, work on me. Show me how to do this. Show me how to do this. Because I want to honor you. The second thing is this. We become passive in our obedience. Once again, Eli knew what his sons were doing, but yet he did nothing to restrain his sons. And why did he not do anything to his sons? Well, we can, we can, do, we can, we can speculate. Eli didn't do anything to his sons because he was afraid of losing the relationship with his sons. He was, a, he was afraid of how the reputation of his family. He was afraid of being misunderstood. Maybe he was afraid of offending, offending his sons. These are some very real thoughts and emotions. But when, G, when Jesus asked Peter as he reinstated him, because remember, Peter denied Jesus three times. He says, Peter... Do you love me? Peter, do you love me? And I say, when I read the word of God, General, do you love God? General, do you love? Then feed his sheep. Then be obedient to do what God has called you to do. Be obedient. It's not easy. It's not, a, it's, you know, <laughs> the one thing about Christianity 
it's easy, but yet it's not. Because it has to be walked out. Because the word of God being lived out through our lives is where the rubber meets the road. There are going to be some skid marks along the way. There's going to be some falling down and there's going to be some getting up. None of us got it right. None of us, we're all going to fail. But you know what? I love the word of God because the word of God says, though a righteous man falls seven times, seven times he gets back up. The word of God says that a righteous man accepts or a wise man accepts a rebuke. So we have to allow the foundation to rebuke our souls. We have to allow the entrance of God's word to bring light into our situation, into our lives. The person next to you may not understand what God is doing in you because God wants to do something in you. Why? For the purpose of working through you. God's word is more than just salvation. It is destiny. He says that you are ambassadors. We are his ambassadors. We who call upon the name of Jesus Christ, we are his ambassadors. We are his representatives here on this earth. We are to go forth and colonize this earth for the name of Jesus Christ. It is for a kingdom that he has set us free into. To expand the gospel, to preach the word of God. To teach the word of God. I love how one, uh, one person, I, I don't know who, who said it, but I, I just love it. It says, wherever you go, preach the word of God. Preach the word of God. Preach the word of God. And if necessary, use words. See, the framework of our lives, this word working in us, should point right back to the foundation. Who do we serve? Who are we standing on? Who are we standing upon? What word are we standing upon? God's word is truth. God is love. Jesus asked Peter, do you love me? So Jesus was saying, I know you made the mistake, but I know your heart, Peter. And maybe God is saying that to us this morning. I know, General, that you've made some mistakes. But do you love me? Because 1 John 1.9 says that he is faithful and just, that if we repent and ask forgiveness, that he will cleanse us of all unrighteousness. He will forgive us and cleanse us of all unrighteousness. What a gift of Christ. What a gift of the blood of Jesus that it is so powerful that when we sin, we can say, God, I missed it. God, I should have said that. You, you wanted me to stand up and say this. Ah, oh, I felt it. I felt it. I felt it, but I, but I didn't do it. I was afraid. I was afraid what they was going to say about me. I was afraid they might attack me. I was afraid they might laugh at me. I was afraid. But I thank you that you forgive me. Because I'm confessing it now. And that's the third one that brings us. The passive. We're passive in our repentance. Passive in our Repentance. Verse 16, he says, but Eli called to Samuel and said, Samuel, my son. And he said, here I am. And Eli said, what is it that he told you? Do not hide it from me. May God do so to you and more also if you hide anything from me of all that he told you. So Samuel told him everything he, and he hid nothing from him. And he said, it's the Lord. 
It is the Lord. And this is what just, I can't believe. Let him do what seems good to him. Now, that may seem very pious, and that may just seem, oh, so holy to some of us uh, on the surface. But this was his opportunity once again. How many opportunities did God give him to say, Lord, I'm sorry? There was no pleading for his sons. There was no pleading for forgiveness. There was no, let me go burn a sacrifice. There was, there was nothing. It was, well, whatever God says is good to him, he's the Lord, let him do it. I have to think about Job. Job would get up early in the morning after his sons and daughters would party and he would say, just in case my sons have cursed God in their heart, in their drunken stupor, because they've been partying, if they've cursed God in their heart, I'm going to burn a sacrifice. Lord, I ask for forgiveness. Lord, stop the wickedness that's in them. They don't know what they do. Forgive them, Father, for they don't know what they're doing. What about David? And even with his sin with Bathsheba, the prophet, the prophet comes down and says, Nathan says, look here, the, the child the, between the two of you is going to die. And David took the sackcloth and ashes and went to the temple and he laid out before the Lord, pleading for the life of his child. Pleading, Lord. They thought he was crazy. They said, what's wrong with David? He's laying here. He, he won't eat. He won't drink. He don't want to see anybody. All because he was trying to get in God's presence. He wanted to stave the hand of the Lord from this life, from his child, because he loved his son, even though he was not yet born. He loved him. And when I see these words, let him do what seems good to him. There's no repentance. There's just hardness. There's just a person that's given up. This morning, I pray that no matter how far we think that our loved ones are far away from God, no matter how, how far we think that they've fallen, that we won't stop pleading for God on their behalf that we won't stop calling out, no matter how far we think that we have fallen, that we won't stop calling out to God, said, Lord, I messed up. I messed up. Untangle me. Save me. Restore the joy of my salvation. Come into my heart. Lord, help me to get rid of this evil. My thoughts aren't right. My life isn't right. Everything around me seems to just be falling apart. I don't have any faith anymore. I'm not obedient. I'm not speaking your word. I'm not repenting. And I don't even know if I'm really sorry about it. But this numbness that I feel in my chest, I got to get rid of it. And there's only one place I can come. And that's in your presence. Jonah knew how merciful our God is. Jonah didn't even want to go to Nineveh. God commissioned Jonah to go to the city of Nineveh and preach the word. And he went the total opposite direction. Why? Because he had hurts in his life. These people had hurt him. 
He did not want these people to be saved. He knew how merciful God is. God is still merciful. God is the mercy that we seek this morning. So the three destroyers of our faith is the lack of obedience, passive in our obedience. We're passive in our repentance. And we're passive in our hearing God's word. The word of God says, do not harden your hearts in your day of visitation. In your day of visitation. In your day of visitation. Your day of visitation is when God comes to you and that's that, you feel that prick in your heart. You feel that, ah, maybe I shouldn't do that. Maybe I should apologize. Maybe I should repent. Your day of visitation is, is when you're reading the word of God and God says, you see this where I said the marriage bed is undefiled? Do you see here my, my, my scriptures where it says about your anger that you need to check your anger, that the unrighteous anger does not um, produce the righteousness of God? There's many things because we're changed from glory to glory. There's th all of us are being worked on. We are all on the potter's wheel and God is working in our lives. But the one thing we have to hold on to is our faith. And the thing that will help us in our faith is this. Hear God's word. Hear God's word. Obey God's word. And when we have fallen, that we repent. Father, in the name of Jesus. I lift this congregation up to you, Lord, everyone under the sound of my voice, Lord. Father, we have all had failures. We've all had struggles. We've had outbursts. We've had angers. We've had times where we, we just did not do our best. We did, not look, we did not look nothing like an ambassador. We've had times where we've allowed the hurts of the world, the hurts of our life to just spill out. Lord, I thank you for your grace that's upon us. Lord, I thank you, Lord, that when your grace, that when man's grace runs out, your grace is still being poured. I thank you that the blood of Jesus is still good enough today, and it will be good enough tomorrow and, and, and into eternity. Father, those areas where I have failed, I ask your forgiveness. I plead the blood of Jesus over it. And I command every foul spirit of the devil right now in the name of Jesus in those areas where I've been afflicted, those areas where I've failed, those areas where I've spoken things that I should not have spoken, where I've allowed him to win. I command them off me now in the name of Jesus. And I ask that the Holy Spirit would come in and repair all damage, that your presence would just be upon me. That, Lord, I would be made aware of your grace that's there. I thank you, Lord, for the blood of Jesus. I thank you for salvation. But, Father, I thank you, Lord, that your word 
is there to lead and guide me. It is the firm foundation. Father, help me stand upon the rock, Jesus. Help me not to kick myself when I fall down. Though a righteous man falls seven times, seven times he gets back up. And right now, in the name of Jesus, Father, I just remit every sin in this house. And Lord, I thank you, Lord, for every person, Father, under the sound of my voice. Thank you, Lord, for your salvation. Thank you for deliverance, Father. Thank you for freedom, Father. But it's for freedom that Christ has set us free. Father, help us fight the good fight of faith. And may, may we know in our heart of hearts that we don't fight alone. But it is Christ in us that fights for us. Amen. Thank you.